Good afternoon, this is Quintus Curtius, and welcome back to the Fortress of the Mind. And in this podcast, we're going to be answering a couple email questions that I received from readers recently. And the questions involve issues regarding wisdom, intelligence, academics, and also there's a work-related question here on this other guy's email. So let's first plunge in here and see what we can find out. First emailer... The first questioner here is a guy from the UK, and basically he says, uh, I'm finding myself thinking more and more about the subject of intelligence and the ever-increasing concern about higher education's spiraling costs. He says that uh, some UK universities are now offering buy one, get one free offers as, as tuition is set to increase to about 9,200 pounds, more or less. He says 9,250 pounds per year. At times, he says, I often joke that students should now be given a receipt before beginning university. His first question is, what is the difference between intelligence, wisdom, and academics? Are these different or one of the same? For example, can, can one be wise but lack intelligence and vice versa? I ask this question as I have found fellow students who do well academically are content on mindlessly following protocol without question. Though when I ask... Many successful mentors who are highly recognized in their fields, the opposite is true. They were never content on following routines, always questioning, understanding, and improving. All right, so let's deal with the first question. The first question is, what is the difference between intelligence, wisdom, and academics? Well, obviously there is a difference. There's a huge difference between these three categories. They share a superficial similarity with each other in the sense that they're all geared around information. They all involve the management and processing of information. But intelligence is very different from wisdom, as we all know. Let's let's probe a little bit more into that. Intelligence obviously involves a person's ability to process and draw connections and conclusions with large amounts of information to achieve goals speedily, rapidly, and efficiently. I suppose we could define it as problem-solving using the available informational resources. He who can solve problems most efficiently using the available informational resources can be said to be intelligent. I think most people would agree with that. Um, Although I suppose there are some people who believe that intelligence simply amounts to the stuffing of one's head with large volumes of information. Um, I have a problem with that definition because if that were the case, every idiot savant would be considered intelligent, which I suppose in a narrow sense they are. But I think it's better to view intelligence as a problem-solving ability. What separated hominids, early man, from the animals was his ability to use his mind, to use his brain, to draw inferences, to draw connections, to draw conclusions, to see that if you examined the remnants of a fire and if you saw molten ores pour out of a rock, an intelligent being would conclude that you could somehow harness these ores and make metal from them. An intelligent man might might see a uh, might see a, a uh, a stone rolling down a hill, and from that idea, draw the conclusion of of getting, of inventing the wheel, 
Or an intelligent man might see a, a, an ape sitting on an anthill and poking a straw into the entrance to an ant's ant colony and extracting the straw with ants clinging to it and then eating them and from that getting the idea to do that. So I think we would all view this as, as part of intelligence. Wisdom is something very, very different. Wisdom is something very different. I think wisdom involves... Wisdom involves the notion of, of how to live life well. Wisdom comes down to the secrets of living well, of living a good life, and knowing how to get the most out of life. That's wisdom. There are people who can solve problems and who are very intelligent, but are not wise. And that's the difference. Wisdom really comes down to ethical philosophy, ethical and moral philosophy. Those who have mastered ethical and moral philosophy to, to, um, to uh, learn how to live a good life. That's what's important. That's what's important. So that's the difference between intelligence and wisdom. Very many people are intelligent, but are not wise. But the converse is not always true. I don't think I've ever heard of anyone who was wise who was not intelligent. I don't think it's possible to be wise without also automatically being intelligent. Because to get to the point of being wise, you have to already have a certain amount of mastery of problem solving. You have to have, you have, to have lived life. Wisdom is not always correlated with age, but it very often is. Because you can't really learn how to live a good life, and you can't really know the secrets of practicing a good life, unless you've already been through the meat grinder a little bit. And this is what matters. And I think this is the difference between intelligence, wisdom, and um, Academics, I, you know, I don't really know what you what the questioner means by academics. I mean, academics to me are just uh, that's just a technical jargon word that describes uh, the curriculums uh, that are taught in schools. I don't I don't really think that deserves. If you want a definition of that, just look that up in a dictionary. I don't think you need me to to discourse on that. There's really nothing to be said about academics meaningfully here in a podcast. That's simply just a word. Uh, I'm not. I'm not going to. I'm not going to get into the Aristotelian definition of academics because that takes us far outside the scope of this podcast. Suffice it to say, I mean, academics does have a meaning. It does have a meaning in classical philosophy, but I'm not going to get into that here because I don't think that's what you meant when you were asking me this question. Uh, look that one up in a dictionary. All right. Now the second question he says is. Um, is the is education now turning people into zombies? Is, is education now? He says. Uh, it says. Do you think education is now becoming more of a business rather than a place of learning? Basically, he says. I have learned and personally experienced the political and business aspects of higher education, and how institutions mainly view students as cash cows. Honestly, I admit I feel slightly saddened that education will increasingly become a buyer's market. So this guy basically is wondering, hey, you know, should I feel sad about the fact that education is now a commercial racket? Well, yes and no. I think you have to put things in perspective. You know, education has always had a bifurcated existence. There has always been 
tiers of education. There, there have been people who pursue education purely for its own sake, for the noble ideals that it embodies. And there have always been those who simply do it as a matter of, cover, uh, of commercial convenience. I think the only difference is now in our modern society, we have an information age explosion here, and there's been a great leveling. There's a huge amount of information out there. There's a huge volume of information out there. And in some ways, it's cheapened and it's trivialized the importance of a true education. And I, I, I would agree with that. You know, but eventually I think the pendulum is going to swing the other way. I think eventually people are getting tired of inconsequential and unsubstantial information in their educational curriculum. There's going to be a great hunger for real things, for good things, for honest, old school, good stuff. And I think in many ways I've tapped into that. You know, in my own books, I think, you know, my translation of On Duties has exceeded, uh, has exceeded all expectations in the interest that it's generated, in the sales that it's generated. Uh, because people want, and the same thing with my translation of Cicero's Stoic Paradoxes, people want the old school stuff. People are tired of being led around by the nose. People are tired of listening to bullshit they're tired of listening to uh, juvenile content of garbage, of nonsense. They don't want to hear that anymore. Or at least the people that I associate with or that I want to be associated with don't want to listen to that nonsense anymore. There's always going to be a market for garbage. There's always going to be a, a market for lowbrow nonsense. But you've got to decide, you know, what do you want to do? You've got to decide what are you about. My answer to this guy would be, what the hell do you give a shit? What do you care if education has now become trivialized? Uh, you know, it doesn't detract from your ability to learn. It has no influence on you. Okay, if you're in a classroom with 21 dorks and they're all there for the wrong reasons, you know, you you have to try to just move on and just understand why you're there. And take the lessons out of it that you can learn and move on with that. And this is the constant mistake that I see a lot of young guys make is they're always worried about what's going on around them. They're always worried about their environment. They're always worried about uh, what else is, you know, all these implications from society and other people and all this other stuff. Instead of focusing on their own selves, instead of focusing on developing themselves, they're constantly worried about all these externalities. The education is being cheapened and somebody said this and somebody's doing that. And my my answer to you is tune all that stuff out. You're there to get an education. You're there to get a degree. You're there for your own reasons. And you know why you're there. And you've made a decision to be there. So you should not be detracted from that goal by what other people are doing. You know, the, as the Stoics say, the wise man does not let others perturb him. He does not allow externalities and external perturbations to upset his spirit, to deflect him from his goals. You have to be strong. You have to keep your eyes on the goals that you want to achieve. All right? That's what you have to do. And in that same spirit, I'm looking at... Um, 
my translation here of Stoic Paradoxes. It's page 65, uh, Paradox 5. Only wisdom liberates a man, and only the fool is a slave. And Cicero tells us here, he says, A man should first contain his own libido, reject excessive pleasures, keep his anger in check, restrain his greed, and ward off all the disgraces of the mind. Only then may he begin to issue orders to others. When he has stopped obeying the most unworthy masters, of moral turpitude and bad judgment. While he remains subservient to these masters, he can neither be a commander nor even a free man. And that's a very good statement. And this is what I would say to this reader about all of the bad things happening in the educational world. Don't worry about that. Don't let your anger and don't let your frustration with this deflect you from your goal. Focus on yourself. Why are you there? Why are you there? I'm going to turn right around and ask you the question. Why are you there? You know, if you're there for a valid purpose, if you're there to polish your own soul, nothing that anyone else does matters. It does not matter. The wise man, the good man, cannot be deflected from his goals by the superficiality of others. So stop focusing on what they're doing and instead focus on what you're doing. All right, so that will conclude my first set of questions here. I'm going to go now to a second set of questions here, a different email that I got about nine days ago from a guy. And this is kind of, this is an interesting email. This is a guy, basically, I'm, it's a very long email, so I'm not going to read all of it, obviously, but I'm going to summarize a lot of it. Basically, this is a guy who, essentially, he says... Um, you know, uh, he was working a menial job and a low-paying job in the tourism industry. And he loves to travel. He spoke several, three different languages. He said, he, I found, he said, after finishing my university studies, I found a position which did not pay well, but allowed me to speak to tourists from around the world. This in turn helped me practice my target languages as well as jot down ideas of places I'd like to one day visit. The good news is that I am now a self-employed entrepreneur and traveling the world. Good for you, man. Good for you. The bad news is that the tourism industry, which I actually really liked working in, is chocked full of SJWs, social justice warriors, uh, feminists, blah, 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 blah. This probably does not surprise you since any industry that doesn't involve danger or rigorous, rigorous physical activity is in the same predicament. Out of perhaps 30 employees, I was I was one of only two males in the building. The positions were really just meat grinders for young employees who were almost always run off or terminated. I made it two years, mainly due to my linguistic skills, before being disciplined. Instead of signing a warning form, I refused and walked out of the building a free man and began traveling once again. All right, so, so this guy then goes on in his email to bring up a lot of things you know he basically says you know, he ran into his ex-boss around town and he suspects uh, the boss is superficially friendly to him but he thinks the boss is a scumbag he also talks about how he now suspects the boss was a crook and was stealing money and skimming money off the top and cooking the books and all this other stuff and the gist of the guy's question is he basically says uh 
you know, uh, um, how would a Stoic respond to such a situation? How would, how should I deal with this situation? And again, again, as I've said before, you know, one of the things I love about questions from young guys is again, they're always worried about externalities. They're always worried about what's going on, what other people are doing, what society's doing, what the world is doing. Let's parse out this guy's email or parse out his points. He says he started working in the tourist industry. He enjoyed it. Okay. He realized right away that it was only a temporary type of position that people were generally used up after a couple of years and then run off and replaced with other young employees, which is very common. You know, a lot of lot of large corporations do the same thing. They 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 want low paying salary type positions that they can exploit and uh, milk uh, as much as they can, and then they uh, they're prepared to discard a lot of those people and bring new ones in. And it basically sounds like you knew that, and it sounds like after a while you got frustrated with it, and I guess. The, all the other dorks that you worked with, you you were you were one of only two guys there. Sounds like you didn't have much in common with anyone else working there, and eventually you got tired of it. And um, you know they tried to counsel you, and you didn't want to sign the counseling form, and you 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 quit and you walked off. And then there's all this other stuff, and then that's fine. And then there's all this other stuff about your boss is a crook, and all this other stuff, and and what should you do? Should you blow the whistle on him? All right. Let me let me say first uh, some things about that. As I've said this before, uh, when I read these emails, I have to be kind of a mind reader in many ways. I have to read between the lines and see what people are really saying. Now, what this guy is really saying is he's pissed. He's pissed off. He, you know, hated the people that he was working with. He doesn't have any respect for them, which is understandable. And he feels like he got launched out of there and run off. And he's seething. He's seething mad, and he and he wants to he wants to have the last word. He doesn't know if he should drop a bomb on this ex boss. He doesn't know if he should uh, lash out at somebody. the situ- The situation irks him. It rankles with him, and he doesn't want to let it go. He doesn't want to let it go. And this is what I'm going to say to you, reader. I'm going to say, let it go. Let it go. Okay, you're already out of there. You're already gone. There's nothing to be gained by getting back in the mosh pit and fighting with these dorks. Nothing to be gained. What do you have to gain from that? You have nothing to gain from it. You're already, you said you've moved on. You're, uh, you've embraced an entrepreneurial, entrepreneurial lifestyle. You're traveling the world. Good for you, man. Fantastic. You've done what a lot of people dream about doing but are unable to do. You're making steps to do that now. Good for you. Don't ever look back. Don't look back. Don't spend one second thinking about these dunces, these dorks, except as a way to make make a teaching point for yourself. Okay? That's all you should be worried about. Do not let these people get inside your loop. Don't let them get inside your mind. It's not worth it. And regarding, you know, the, the question, this this kind of this question about uh, you suspect your boss is a fraudster and doing all this stuff. First of all, I, you know, I'm not here to provide legal advice to people. Okay, I'm not here here to provide uh, uh, actual legal advice. If you really believe that you are a crime victim, or if this guy really is um, 
uh, involved in some sort of theft or something, then you need to talk to a lawyer about that in the jurisdiction where you live. And you can actually raise those issues to him. That's not really what I'm going to talk about. I, I can't I can't give you a legal diagnosis over the Internet based off an email. OK, uh, now. Uh, so if, so if you truly believe that's an issue, then you should take action on that. But my guess is it sounds like you're just you're just angry. You just hate this guy or this woman, whoever it is, he or she. And you're pissed off and the situation rankles with you. And, you know, that, that's normal, man. That's totally normal. You know, uh, you know, there's probably not a day that goes by where I don't think about previous jobs that I've had and the ones that have ended uh, badly, or the ones that I've had bad experiences with. We, we've all we've all had it. We've all been through it. Everybody's had bad job experiences. Everyone has had uh, groups of people they've worked with that they don't respect or don't like. But I think you should at least give yourself some credit. You actually had the presence of mind to realize that you were in a bad environment. You processed that knowledge, and you had the balls to take action on it, and you left. And that's very important. That's very, very important. Because a lot of people who are chicken shits would have just stayed there and said, oh, well, it's just, you know, I'll try to become like the others. I'll, I'll become an SJW just like all the others, and I will, you know, get along, go along to get along, and, and I'll just, you know, change my personality to suit, to make everybody else happy. And you said, no, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to accept that. That is not who I am. And that's a good thing. You should be proud of that. You should be proud of that. And how would a Stoic handle that? I think he would say that you just fulfilled one of the primary conditions of being along the road to wisdom in that you asserted yourself as a free man. You know, you asserted yourself as a free man. And let's let's look at um, again. I'm going to refer back to Cicero's Stoic paradoxes, paradox five on page sixty-five of my translation. And he says here, um, he says, um, "Excellent is the saying taken from the most learned, whose authority I might not here use if I were made to make this oration to a group of country bumpkins." It is said by the most educated of men that no one is free except for the wise man. But what is freedom? It is the power to live as you wish to live. The man who really lives is the man who wants nothing except to follow the right path, who finds satisfaction in his responsibilities, whose way of living is well considered and provided, who follows the laws not out of fear, but follows and defers to them because he judges them to be most conducive to the collective health, who says nothing, does nothing, and thinks nothing except what is free and volitional, whose every plan and action, which he does, all follow from this and are traceable to this, and there are no other things which dominate him more than his own will and power of judgment. And I think that's the condition that you've reached or that you've displayed in your decision to quit this job, go out on your own and not look back. So that's what I would tell you. Don't look back. Don't worry about what this guy is doing. Don't worry about, let it go. Let it go. And that's, you know, one of the hardest things that I think 
we need to learn as we get older is knowing when to let stuff go. Knowing when to let stuff go because there's always that tendency we have where we want we want to have the last word. We want to have the last word. We want some sort of closure or what we think is closure. But what we don't understand is that this illusion of closure really is only immaturity and emotion raising its ugly head and interfering with our tranquility of mind. You know, tranquility of, ma- tranquility of mind. You know, tranquilitas animi. Tranquility of spirit or mind. And you can't let anything interfere with that because when you do that, then you're expending your energy in useless ways and you're deflecting yourself from your proper goal, which is to polish your soul so that you can reach that state, that state of what Cicero calls greatness of spirit, magnitudo animi, that I've mentioned in previous podcasts and which should be the goal of all of us. That will conclude our podcast here at Fortress of the Mind. I'm Quintus Curtius. Good night.